welcome to the Efficient Practice Dental Water Cooler. I am your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel. I am super excited about tonight's water cooler and what we will be talking about. Um, it's going to be a lot of information. We have some special things in store for you. What we want to do is help you change the trajectory of your practice. So we have the topic of cluttered desk, but we're going to jump in and we're going to cover a lot of things. I think you'll be really pleased with what we're talking about tonight. And I encourage people who are on the segment to please, please chime in, uh, add your input. Um, if you have questions, please ask questions as well. Or if you just have comments, please make sure to add those comments as well, because we all do better when we work together. And someone else might have the same question, or they can learn from whatever it is that, that you may have your input or your insight on what we'll be speaking about. So again, I, I definitely want to welcome you all to this uh, water cooler segment. Um, I want to thank the people who were on with me in the first three episodes. This is actually episode number four already. So I want to thank you for coming along on this journey with me. Um, I appreciate the feedback. I've been getting a lot of uh, good feedback and, and all feedback is good feedback. So basically that helps me, that helps us here at the Water Cooler uh, uh, segment or series to improve upon the information and bring topics to you that will be beneficial and help you in your practices, your businesses, and your life. So thank you. Last week, Mia uh, in uh, Darwin uh, gave us uh, some feedback, so I appreciate it. Keep the feedback coming, and I hope tonight, if you're on the segment, or if you listen to it later, that you will also offer us feedback on the segment. So um, we're going to have uh, a guest who will be joining us uh, momentarily. I am super, super excited about this guest. I think that this is a treat for you all. We're going to have Dr. Darwin Hayes, a very good friend of mine and all, a colleague um, and someone who um, is a well of knowledge. So uh, Dr. Hayes is our guest uh, speaker for tonight on this uh, water cooler series. And he is right now the lead co-director of a general practice residency program at Bronx Care Health System, which I believe is either the largest or maybe the second largest uh, uh, institution that trains residents, uh, doctors. Uh, he is also the, the host of the popular uh, podcast, The New Dentist Coach, uh, as well as has a huge social media following as the new dentist coach. He also does segments called Ask Dr. Uh, Hayes. Um, and he's an expert on all things, uh, we like to say, with the new dentist. And those are dentists who have been uh, out of, in practice, not, not just new graduates, but have been uh, in practice maybe up to five to eight years or so. Uh, it's still pretty much considered a new dentist. So he does a lot with helping uh, dentists get into residency programs and into dental school, and it's just a well of knowledge. So I can't wait to have him on the show today so that he can give us some insightful information. 
So if, if you're on the segment, you probably know who I am. I am Dr. Evelyn Samuel. I am a uh, practicing dentist, dental practice efficiency coach. I am an author of the book, 100 Things I Hate and Love About Dentistry, A Professional's Guide to Efficiency, Profitability, and Sanity. Um, and I also have a podcast show as well, in addition to uh, the Dental Water Cooler podcast. My podcast is called The Efficient Practice Podcast. And my whole uh, purpose um, in this space is to really help dentists to reignite their passion for dentistry. I want to help cultivate uh, us as dentists, as leaders for our teams. And I also want to uh, help dentists to create atmospheres in their practices where patients come in and they have an environment where they they're able to receive their quality have dentistry, and also have the dentist and teams get paid for their services. It's so important to help people because that's what we do. We help people. We solve problems. We work in a small space and we create beautiful smiles. But at the end of the day, these are small businesses and we must treat them as such. So we have to be able to run them uh, properly inadequately. And so those are some of the things that I want to do and I'm trying to do with this particular water cooler series. Uh, in addition, um, I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit if you've been on uh, segments before, my background. And that's just that I've always wanted to be a dentist. Some probably would call it a calling. So I've wanted to be a dentist from the time I was five years old. Um, did all of the things and all the prep that it takes to become a dentist. And I quickly learned in every um, experience, in every segment of my profession early on, that we weren't prepared to run businesses in dental school. So we were taught to be scientists, we were taught to be doctors, we were taught to treat and care for patients, but we didn't... Uh, get that segment of how to run a business, how to um, deal with insurance issues, how to deal with the team, how to just handle all the things that come with owning a small business. Hey, the dentistry is the easy part, but doing all those other things in conjunction with being a dentist can sometimes prove arduous. Um, and so with this water cooler, I really wanted to hone in and address those things and really help my colleagues, um, and people who own businesses to have a really good experience, meaning really enjoy what they were called to do. It should be enjoyable. Dentistry should be an enjoyable thing. It's what we love to do, and it should, it should be enjoyable. So um, marrying that business with the artistry and the clinical aspects of dentistry. It's something that I hope to do throughout this series. So if you were on the last segment, which was um, uh, in March, uh, the topic was running the business. And we, dived, we, we did a deep dive into what it is to run the business. And just a small recap of what we did. We basically talked about the reasons that we start businesses and how sometimes this can feel like we own a job, which is not what we want to do. We want our businesses to work for us. We want to create a viable living. Of course, we want to help our patients, our guests, 
our customers, our consumers. But we also want to be able to have a quality life. I mean, we went to dental school for a very long time and we uh, invested a huge amount of revenue and money into becoming a doctor. So we really jumped into how or why we start businesses, how sometimes it feels like we own a job and how we can alleviate that and how we can change that. We also talked about how to set up for success. So definitely when you're setting up your business, you always want to set up for success. You want to get it right from the very start. So we talked about ways to put things in place so that you can do that. So examples would be like doing a demographic study so that you know that you're going somewhere that needs your services. That's really important for doing well in dentistry. It's being in an environment or in a demographic where your services are needed. Um, sometimes we want to go to the places that are attractive and fast and fun, um, but it can be a saturated market and it can make all the difference in how you live out your career. Just something as simple as going somewhere to a population who really needs your services. Um, then we talked about how to work on your business and not in your business. So of course that kind of sounds like the same thing, but it's a, a it's totally different. So we talked about that and we revealed the ultimate secret to um, working on your business and not in your business and running your business efficiently. And lastly, we talked about designing a life in a business that works for you. So like I said before, you want to have a business that works for you, you want it to run like a well-oiled machine. You want to be able to leave your practice and your practice, not be afraid that your practice is going to fall apart because you took a couple of days off for vacation. So uh, there are ways to work on that so that you can, in fact, take the time that you need to um, be off for vacation and to refresh and recharge and to be more pro uh, productive and to, in essence, be more profitable. So you want to be able to do that and not just have to grind, grind, and grind all the time just to keep your practice running. So that's it. That's the running the business episode. In a nutshell, I invite you to go back and take a watch of that episode and all the previous episodes as well. So um, that is a, a wrap-up of the running the business uh, segment that we did on the last water cooler. And I would be remiss if I did not thank um, Equa Marketing for sponsoring this dental water cooler series. Uh, Equa Marketing, they are the leaders in the digital marketing space for dentists. They also help other companies as well. But of course, I'm focused on the dental aspect because I know they are the leaders and I happen to be a dentist. So thank you, Aqua Marketing, for giving me this platform so that I can um, talk to dentists and hopefully help dentists change their practices and um, give them better quality of lives as well. So as we go into the segment, like I said before, I would really like for uh, any participants that are on here to chime in at any time. 
you can raise your hand. There's a way to go to participants and just raise your hand and we can acknowledge you or you can unmute yourselves so that you can ask questions to participate. Uh, please make sure to do that. That's one of the things that makes this uh, podcast different from others. Like I said, I have another podcast and usually I'm pre-recording those things, but this is live. So it makes it very unique so that you can actually chime in and talk at any point in time if you have pointers that you would want to add to what we're talking about. And also treat it like a coaching session. I like for these sessions to be, I like to call them complimentary coaching sessions because I, I want to make sure that we're all working together. And I kind of wanted to format this exactly like I would if I were doing a group coaching session. So um, tonight's segment is going to be a cluttered desk. And a cluttered desk um, uh, comes with a lot of different meanings. Um, it, uh, it, it sounds like a cluttered desk and it sounds very simplistic, but there's a lot of psychology and other things that, that go in with that. So we're gonna be discussing that in just a moment. Um, but I'd also like to, uh, like I said, if you would, please offer feedback if you can. Please take a look at um, some of the things that we are posting in terms of, of blogging uh, and other information that we are um, distributing from my uh, coaching uh, firm, the Efficiency Institute, so that you can just grasp onto some of the pointers that are free and that, that we disseminate. So a cluttered desk, how does an office get a cluttered desk? Um, basically, I, I absolutely cannot stand a cluttered desk. Clutter, clutter makes me feel nervous. Um, it makes me feel um, off-centered. Um, and so when my, my office desk and in, in my practice is cluttered, it just makes me feel some kind of way. And so I, I, I remember uh, putting a chapter uh, in my book about this, um, how a cluttered desk makes me feel, but why is it so often that it's like that? So why is it so often maybe at the moment where I have papers on my desk and I'll find myself, and, and when I say papers, I mean a, a lot of papers and a, a, a lot of things uh, on the desk. So I find that whenever that happens, it usually means that I am handling too many things that are not pertinent to what I am doing as the doctor. So if I have a lot of mail on my, my desk that's, that's not open, or I have a lot of invoices on the desk, or whatever it is, if there's a lot of clutter and, and I'm treating patients and I run in my office, and I'm shuffling through papers, or I am uh, calling the lab, or I'm returning patient calls, or I, you know, I'm shoveling through this desk, it usually means that I am handling too many things that are not pertinent for, uh, for me as the doctor, as the clinician, as the owner. Um, and I'm doing too many things that I should not be doing, i.e. opening the mail, um, doing these things in between patients. Now, how does this happen? So all of these things are going on. It makes me feel off-center, which it made to other people too. And it's usually a sign of other things in the practice. It's not just that you have papers on the desk. Like I said, it means that maybe you're doing too many administrative things. The office may not be orderly like it should be. 
Um, there may be things going on with your front desk or with the patient experiences or other things, and it's all stemming from you doing things that you shouldn't be doing. So why and how does this happen? Well, the doctor generally falls into this or the practice usually falls into this, number one, if there are no clear written systems. So you hear me talking about systems all the time. Um, in the last episode, we revealed that that is the secret sauce to running your practice well. So if there are no clear systems in the office, um, anybody feel free to chime in. But I, I'm going to pose this question, and it's kind of like a, a rhetorical question. But what happens if you hire a team member and you're a, a front office person, they have 10 years of experience, you put them in the front and you let them have at it. Because after all, they have 10 years of experience. Well, if there are no clear systems, what the person has to do, what the person usually does, is they use their own discretion to run the front office, maybe like they did with the doctor up the street. Now, because they have experience, that doesn't mean that they will be running the practice like you want them to run the practice. And if you don't have clear systems in place, meaning written documented systems, then they're left to their devices and the practice can suffer. Doesn't mean that they're not good, it just may mean that they're not doing the, the front office administrative things in a way that you would like them to be done at your practice. And also, um, how and why the doctors fall into this trap is sometimes if they're, they're, they're not clear systems um, in the practice, and they may be afraid of confrontation. So afraid of confrontation, what does that mean? Afraid of confrontation does not necessarily mean that it's something bad. It can be just something is going on and they just don't address it. So let's say uh, one of the team members is doing something and it's not quite to the doctor's liking, and it may be affecting their numbers. It may be affecting the scheduling. But a lot of times we ask the, uh, as the doctor or the dentist or the owner, we shy away from confronting those situations um, for fear of being mean, for fear of how the team member will see us, um, for just, just for feeling uncomfortable. But confrontation is not a bad thing. Confrontation can actually be, it is a great thing if it's done properly. So that's another reason why um, dentists fall into this trap of doing too many administrative things and having too, uh, a cluttered desk with too many administrative things. And I'm really excited um, that we have uh, Dr. Hayes on the segment. He's joining me now. Live, Dr. Hayes, can you hear us? I hear you good. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Dr. Hayes, the new dentist coach. Yes. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm excited um, to be on, to be on this, this episode so I can stop having a cluttered desk. <laughs> so um, here's just a little bit about what we've done thus far, Dr. Dr. Hayes. I did announce to 
the, the people who are listening to this live broadcast that you would be joining us. I did a brief um, introduction of who you are. Um, I told them about uh, your new dentist coach podcast and the popular segments that you do on YouTube. You're um, all over social media, how you're helping new dentists enter the dental field, whether it be via uh, dental school or entering into residencies and just integrating into our profession. And so I talked about that. One thing that I didn't mention is that we are co-hosts together on another segment, which is called This Week in Dentistry. And we're going to be putting some episodes out for that uh, very soon as well. Right. So uh, I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, we've started talking a little bit about this cluttered desk thing and how it really is a metaphor for uh, something bigger and greater. And it's a metaphor for overwhelm for dentists. <laughs> right. It's a metaphor <laughs> and having too many administrative things. And so we were talking about how the clutter desk can usually mean that you're doing too many administrative things. Uh, and, and now we're just talking about how does that happen? I use right. the example of how I have mail sometimes on my desk. I have invoices. I'm running in between patients to call the lab back and, you know, and uh, maybe call patients back. Right. And so it, it is kind of a sign of what's going on with the whole office at hand. And then we just talked about a couple of different reasons why the doctor falls into this trap. The number one was no written systems. And now we were just talking about that sometimes we're afraid of confrontation, of something's not done properly, not addressing it um, with team members. And confrontation, not in a bad way, but, um, you know, just in a way to, to handle things. So what are some of the reasons you see that, that we end up um, with this overwhelm in a, in a cluttered desk? Well, I, I think what happens too is that just our our nature as dentists, we're just type A personalities. And I guess that's probably the excuse for everything. <laughs> All the challenges that we have, we're just type A, type A, type A, right? Um, and I, th I think that has something to do with it. But, but I also think is this, we're just so enthusiastically uh, uh, energized about doing stuff. And, you know, we think that if we don't do it, then nobody else can do it. Or if they don't do it the way that we want to do it, then nobody else can, <laughs> nobody else can do it. And that's the trap that we fall, uh, fall in because there's no way that a person or a business is going to be able to expand this way if it's just one person doing everything. Absolutely. No, no way. The biggest businesses, the biggest offices usually uh, have – that level of success because they are going from from this way and they're going sideways. They're getting bigger this way. They're expanding that way with employees, with services and everything else because you can't be doing 10 things at one time, right? Or if you're doing it, you're not doing it well. You're not doing it well. You're not mm -hmm. doing it well. A absolutely. I mean, you can't do five things and give 100% of those five things. That's 20% for each of those things. And that's probably not enough time and energy and effort for one of those things to get, to get it done to completion. So uh, I, I think that's one of the things that causes uh, us, to, <laughs> us to kind of fall into that trap, put ourselves in that trap. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's like we, we feel that no one, like you say, can do it like we can do it. And sometimes we just don't trust that it's going to get done. 
And once we're in the, this, this trap, there are consequences yep. to that. So there are consequences to, to one person trying to do everything. You name what you, you, you just mentioned uh, something in terms of the, the business won't do well. So some of the right. other consequences, what have you seen as other consequences of one person just trying to do it all? Well, what happens too is, um, you know, the old term uh, being burnt out, right? I mean, we're not, we're, we as individuals are not one of these. We're not a candle, right? We're not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not a candle, but the, the, uh, the, the phrase kind of suits us in the sense that we're just doing everything that we don't have any, any fuel, any gas left in the tank and uh, we, you get burnt out and then you start, it starts to be more of a job than it is something that you really want to do. Right. And you start to possibly not want to confront certain things that are right here because it's just it's just too much to to do but that's because we're doing it by ourselves so we're not letting more people help in the development or in the like i said the expansion of the of the business exactly so that that also leads to poor morale i would say for the entire team so poor morale burned out low energy yep poor yep. patient experiences yep because yep. the, yeah, the doctor's burned out, the team feels the energy, right. um, and it just decreases the overall productivity of the doctor, the practice, and the profitability. So it's right. all it's all connected. It's all connected. It's, it's all a it's all a it's all a, a domino effect. If you have a if you if your office is running, you have systems. Each step or each part of that system depends on the step before that, um, so that it continued that it can kind of work like a, a circle, right? Like a chain and it just kind of goes around and around. But each of those links depend on the other link for it to move forward. So that, that happens. And another thing that happens, and sometimes we don't even recognize it because we're so busy doing other stuff that we don't, we don't see how the impact uh, of our actions have on our employees, right? We're constantly sometimes telling them how to do certain things. And then when they don't do it the way that we want them to do it, you know, we get mad, we get frustrated. We might, might take it off their desk and all right, I'll do it. And uh, which is the definitely the wrong thing to do. Um, and after a while, some employees get, have some unexpressed resentment. Right. Oh, I can't I can't stand Dr. Hayes. I hate when he does that. I was working on it and he told me to do do X, Y and Z. And I did it the best I could. And then he just took it from me and he's doing it now. Oh, I hate that. And after, you know, a couple of those instances. What happens? They stop doing it. They stop doing it and they stop doing other things because right. they know that now Dr. Hayes is going to come in and do it the way he wants to have it done anyway. So why am I even going to do it? So now you got employees in the phone, you know, in the office like this on the phone, <laughs> on the phone, because they're not, they're not at work. They're tuned out now. Right. Which is never a good thing. No, no, <laughs> no. Now you're paying them to be tuned out and how that impacts your office. Cause now that probably means in, in, in some uh, short period of time that they're going to be gone. They're going to be looking for an office, or they may even say, "Hey, Dr. Hayes, uh, today is my last day. I'm, I'm, I quit." And you're like, 
<laughs> so now you got to spend more time doing something else, which is constantly hiring people for your office um, because of the fact that a cluttered desk, so many tasks, you're doing it the way that you want it to, to be done. And we're not training. Sometimes what happens is we don't train our staff adequately enough, or we don't take the time to train them adequately enough. So they have the proper tools so that they can do what we need them to do and let them stay over there and do it while we're over here doing the dentistry or we're doing mm -hmm. the things that the owner and the doctor uh, or the dentist chair side needs to do. Right. So that's part of, that's another way how it kind of um, um, manifests and, and, and some, some challenges that it causes us later on. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I used the example um, right before uh, I reintroduced you that, that you hire somebody who has a lot of experience at the front desk, and they may come with 10 years of experience. And I, oftentimes, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of practices just put them in the front, and they're com the dentist is completely hands-off. I've seen this over and over again. They're at the front desk, they need to, they, they know what they're doing or they'll uh, hire an office manager. She has 15 years of experience and they let them have at it. But there again, back to those systems, if it's not a written uh, clear systems that you have devised for your practice, the person is left to their own devices. Yes. So they may be doing something that was done somewhere else. Cause just like you just said, they may not, we're not training them to do it like we want it to be done. So we need to set that precedent at the very beginning. And, and you have to do it subsequently multiple times. Just because you train them once does not mean that you're not supposed to train them a second, a third, or a fourth time. And in the office that I had when I was in LA, uh, actually I take that back, when I, before I even got to LA, I was in an office in Houston. And um, you know, Fridays was our day which was something that I kind of incorporated into my office when I relocated to, to LA. Friday was like half of the day was an administrative day. Exactly. Right. Where, where not only the docs had their time of doing things that they needed to get done administratively, but staff also. Right. Another thing that we used to do every quarter in that office when I was in Houston was uh, we had training. We had a whole office training there was 21 of us there were two or three docs at any given time at least two docs two hygienists and then we had a, a staff of three or four treatment coordinators we had many assistants we had somebody two people in sterilization uh so with that level of people that number of people you have to ha make time as part of your uh, day-to-day -day operations of your office, you have to carve out time to train people because not all experience, someone who has 15 years of experience, that just means they have 15 years of experience. It doesn't mean they have 15 years of experience that are going to be very helpful for you because you don't know what he or she has done or has not done. He or she doesn't know the way that you run your office or what is in your protocols and system manual that you should have. They don't know that. It's helpful that they have some knowledge of how an office operates, but they don't know how Dr. Hayes' office operates, or they don't know how Dr. Samuel's office operates. And even when they start to learn that, you still have to 
go back and train and go over and refresh. It's just like for us with continuing education. I mean, that's, that's mandatory for us to maintain our licenses, but it's also for the protection of the patients. It's a public service protection for the patients that, that, that we're serving to make sure that we are on the cutting edge and, and that we're not going to be doing, uh, doing harm and that we're staying abreast with uh, new things that are, that are happening in the profession. If there's a reason for that. It's mandatory. So if it's mandatory for us as to get have our licenses, it should be mandatory. It should be a mandatory part of how your, uh, your office operates. Exactly. I could not agree more. Training, training, and more training and sessions and blocking your schedule to do those things. Yeah. Absolutely. It's usually two things that happen. Problems come up for two reasons. I think there's actually three. There's something I learned in this office that I've worked in. Usually problems happen with staff or with the office because the person is just maybe unethical or are they just not a good fit? And that causes problems, right? Whether it's with other staff members or just with things that you are giving them to do and they just can't, can't get it done for whatever reasons. But sometimes people are just not their mind and their, you know, their body's at work, but their mind is not at work. And that's, that's, that could be an ethical thing, right? And the second thing that usually causes a lot of problems in our offices is lack of training, right? People know how to do something, but they don't know how to do it very well, which can cause problems with your patient relations, it can cause problems with your front desk, it can, it can cause problems with the whole cycle of how a person or your customers come into your office, their experience to the office, leaving the office, and then coming back as far as recall and follow-up. If your office doesn't have a protocol or a system to make sure that that is handled correctly, and here's the key part, and if you're not training them and maybe doing some role play and carving out time where you're training them, you know, to refine how that process uh, uh, happens, then you're, you're bound to have some problems. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Those, so those are where I have found that, you know, those are the two sources of problems, maybe staff members or even a doctor. Doctors can be out of ethics too, just not doing the right thing at the right time, right? That can happen uh, to us as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be the staff member, but that and then training, lack of training or not enough training or not making enough time for training, which leads to problems in the office. Period. Just to break down an overall flow of the practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I would say how, how would, how, or what would you do to correct um, this what what are some of the things you would do? And and I, I hope you say one thing, because we, we do some segments sometimes where we, we coach each other. <laughs> right. So what <laughs> would you do? Coach too, you know? Uh, hey, you know, all the coaches, all the good coaches need all coaches. The coaches have one. Yeah. Look, look, everybody, even Barack Obama had a coach. Uh uh yeah. Jay-Z had a coach. Or you think about all of the big companies, all of the major companies, they all have People all have coach. All have coaches. The best athlete in the world has a coach. So why would we as dentists who have not been trained in business not have one? 
So I've always had one, but we do do some, some, some coaching here and there for each other. And so I'm hoping you're going to focus on this thing because you actually kind of mentioned it to me just a couple of nights ago. Okay. But how would you correct the, this, this doctor who has all the stuff on her desk, which is really a sign of something else at the practice, so that it can help them? And, and I, you know what I say, systems, systems, systems. Yeah. But how would you get them to correct this so that they can uh, focus and... Um, and I hope you say what I want you to say. Um, and to, to get this desk cl cleared and to get their, their office and practice well, cleared. Well, well, there's a couple ways you can do it. But the first way, I think the first way, I mean, there's a radical way and then there's more of a self-inspection way. Hmm. So, What's so the self-inspection way? Okay, let's do, let's do the, the self-inspection way. So the first thing is, and this is probably the hardest, you have to realize or we have to realize that there's a problem. Oh, yeah. Right? And you have to agree with yourself that, yes, this is a problem. And you have to be willing to get some help. Once you've identified those things, it's a problem and I need help, then the floodgates are open for you to have the change that you need to have. But... You can't get the help the way you want to get the help because if you want to do if you if it was left to you to get the help that you wanted the way you wanted, there wouldn't be a problem. Right. <laughs> and it, you wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. You wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. So now exactly. you got to make sure that you keep yourself out of the way, which is very hard for us. It's very hard for us to go back to our old habits, the things that we're comfortable with in doing. It's, it's so hard, but I, I think that's, those are the first, like, that's the first step. Those two things, those two components have to happen first, right? And it, and it, happen, and it has to happen that way because, you know, it, and this is the advantage of having maybe a group practice or having two or three docs and a practice together um, because it allows you to have some accountability amongst yourself because there's lots of times there's things that we're doing that we don't see that we're doing that someone else on the outside can look at and be like, oh, it's one, two, three. And you're like, mm -hmm. how, how you come up with that? Mm -hmm. Just someone else's, you know, vision or someone else's um, observation of your situation. Because uh, we're too close to it. Too close to it. It's your own situation. You're too close and, to it. And we're emotionally tied to it. We're financially mm -hmm. tied to it. Yes. Um, so, but, so that's why you have to have a coach or at least have an accountability partner or a classmate. Uh, and that's one of the things we used to do with my, one of my buddies that was in Jersey and I was in LA. Every week, every Friday, we used to call each other and say, hey, how'd you do this, this week in the office? You know, what challenges? These are the things I came up across. Here's some wins. Here's some things that I'm trying to make sure that it's a win. So having an accountability partner is key. It's very helpful. Um, so that's another way to kind of get this process going of, of uh, not allowing yourself to, to be kind of introverted in how you, how you handle your day-to-day -day and the things that are going on on your desk or in your office or in your space. Exactly. Yep. Yes. And what now, about focusing on one thing? Well, yes, and that's the <laughs> that's the that's the other thing. I mean, there's a book, I forget the, the name of the author, 
that I read on on, on Audible. Uh, it's called That One Thing or The One Thing. And I have to find it uh, so I can share it with everybody. And I'll, I'll figure it out in a minute. But I read it because I, too, <laughs> fall victim to wanting to do so many different things and getting so excited about this thing and that thing. And before you know it, it's like 10 things. And I think I'm Superman. I can stay up all night. I've done it before. I can get all these 10 things done. And before I know it, I started and I've got like 10 things going all at once. But none of the things are getting done. <laughs> it's almost yeah, like, like said before, you it's can like, do so many things and not do so them many all. things. And it's like it becomes a hobby now instead of getting things actually done. Mm -hmm. So this book, uh, That One Thing or One Thing, talks about how you have to focus uh, focus your actions and your efforts on one thing and one thing only. And then once you've completed that, go to the next thing, right? Um, if you look at the word, the acronym for focus, focus on, uh, what's the acronym? F-O-C-U-S. Uh, Focus on what's the focus on one course until successful, right? I like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Follow one course until successful. Focus. Follow on. Follow one course. Follow. Until yeah, successful. yeah. Follow one course until successful. Meaning you can't be doing <laughs> ten different projects and think you're going to have success because. Your time is your time. Exactly. So, and in the office, if they're doing, if you're doing the insurance or if you're going behind the front office person checking that, or you're, you're, you know, you, you do have to have a pulse on your practice. So you need to know what's going on. Right. If you're physically trying to do all those things, then you're not spending the time doing the thing that you should be doing the best. And that's treating the patient. That's treating the patient and making sure everyone has the tools that they need to get the jobs done. That's our, mm -hmm our duty and responsibility as the owner, but also as the dentist owner of the practice, exactly. right? Um, so focusing on one thing. So again, I learned this concept in Houston, and I think this is the reason why the office was so big. It was because there were 20 different tasks that needed to be done, or maybe 15. And instead of the doc or the office manager together, two of them doing all 15 things, there were 18 people doing 15 things, right? And, you know, plus or minus, you know, one or two assistants to assist chair side, you know, you have a little overlap there. But the premise was one duty, one person, and they get it done. So you have one person on the phone, she was the switchboard operator, right? She would answer the phone and then route the calls either to a uh, uh, treatment coordinator or to the scheduler or to the insurance person, which leads me to the second person. There was an insurance person. All they did all day were, was to verify claims, handle claims, make phone calls. Boom. That was his role and his responsibility. Third person, we had a, a lab person and his duty and responsibility was to make sure that the lab cases had everything they need to go out, everything they need to 
to come in, lab bills, receipts were paid, yada, yada, yada. Fourth person, um, in this particular case, there were three, uh, four people. I'm sorry, the fourth person, there were three people in that role. We had three treatment coordinators, right? And each of them were responsible for uh, making sure that patients got got the treatment that they was that they needed that they wanted and that they were able to overcome any obstacles that stood in their way of not being able to start treatment that was their job right that's what they did they helped to present treatment secure payment arrangements make appointments and then also follow up on uh the treatment plan and stages to make sure that it was seamless everything was taken care of so the patient was able to start treatment so that was the fourth person right we also had again we had dental assistants right their responsibility and duty was chair side assisting not running to the front desk at answering phones not running to the lab to pull lab cases out to call the lab and say what's this what's that chair side assisting so that the doctor can be efficient chair side we also had the the, the 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 sixth person was sterilization right whether you have a big office or a small office at some point those instruments have got to get sterilized they have to be wrapped they have to be prepared they have to be set up there was a person who just handled all of that all the all the instruments all the the kits whether it was a restorative kit where it was an endo kit whatever if it was a crown and bridge kit was it a whitening kit whatever the procedure was we had kits and instruments for each of those procedures. That's one person or two people running that, that part uh, of the office. Then we had two hygienists handling recalls, handling scaling and re uh, uh, maintenance and scaling and replaning, right? And I can name a, a couple other positions, mm -hmm. but the focus was one person, one duty and responsibility, and they spent 100% of their time doing that. Now. It may be a challenge for smaller offices. I was gonna, I was gonna to, say that. to yeah. to do yeah. that. But what happens is, if you're not thinking with that mindset that you've got really ten tasks that need to be done. I'm sorry, I got my numbers mixed up. You got ten tasks that need to be done. You're gonna need more than two people to get them all done. Well, well, what that leads into is, I have a simple solution to fi fix the doctor doing all these things. Mm. <laughs> and it's exactly what you're you're hitting on. Of course, it is going to be different. And I, I want to say this to people who are listening that have smaller practices. So in those instances, you may have team members who are cross-trained and they may be doing different things, but it can be systematic and it can be orderly and it can be peaceful. Um, but my simple solution for this whole cluttered death syndrome or this whole overwhelm is to do a task analysis. So what you just said was a perfect lead up to what a task analysis is. So if you've never done a task analysis, which uh, for years I hadn't done one, and I was in a seminar, maybe it was one of my coaches that introduced me to it, where you write every single thing that you do um, as the doctor, uh, and what you're doing in your practice. So you might say, you, you write down every single detail. I see patients, um, I am checking up on insurance, I am opening the mail, I am paying the bills, I am uh, helping clean the rooms up, I am sterilizing instruments. 
And you look at that task analysis and it really is simple, but it works. It, it can clarify things in a weekend. And you write everything that could be delegated to someone else that who has the ability and the, 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 the capability, um, uh, let's say for example, if you're cleaning teeth and you have a hygienist, but you, you can delegate that to the hygienist. Of course, it has to be within the parameters of their position, but you write everything that you're doing, you write who you could delegate it to and who you could train to do that task and you get that off of your book. Key. So yep. you can be the doctor and you can do the one thing that only you can do, then let's be the doctor. So right. it's really simple. If you sit down, it can change the trajectory of your practice very simply. You just do this uh, task analysis, write down everybody that could do it and who you could train it to do it, and you enforce it. And of course, you train. That's the key where you train the team members. And this correction will help everything in the practice. How long does it usually take to do a task analysis? Uh, you, you sit down and probably in an hour, you could have that done. So it's, it's just a whole... It's just reserving the time and actually doing it. But it probably, even if it, if it even takes an hour, you're literally just writing everything that you do. Just making the, a list, right? Just making a list. list. I make do this, list. this, this, this. And it may be 10 things. It may be 20 things. It may be 20 to 50 things. But you can right. say, I, I do this. But who, could, who else could do this? And then we have to learn to, to delegate those procedures and let people do the procedures. Yeah. Let them do it and find them doing something good. If you and if you think about it, the most successful companies and businesses do that such and very well on a very small scale. And then because they're big companies, they still have the foundation of doing it on a, a small scale. Primary example, McDonald's. Exactly. I don't know if you if people are listening have ever read the book. And I have it over here somewhere about McDonald's. Um, but anyway, if you read, the, it's about the Ray Kroc story. And he talk, it talks about how McDonald's is a business uh, uh, built on efficiency. Mm -hmm. There was the, even in the movie, there was, a, there was a scene in the movie where they talk about the design of the actual interior of the space of a McDonald's. And it went through many different layouts. But the reason why it went through different layouts was because Ray Kroc was trying to figure out how to become more efficient from the time that the customer came to the came wow. to the came to the to the register to order to the time they got their food. It's all based on efficiency. And what he found was there was one person taking the orders, one person on fries, somebody making the Pancake, uh, not pancakes. I say I'm hungry. <laughs> no pancakes. Well, they making, did have that, but not that. It was the hamburger with the making the hamburger. The somebody else and the pickle and the, yeah, it was all yeah, efficient. The McDonald brothers had that efficiency in place before Ray. Uh, that's right. I'm sorry. That's right. They, they that's actually right. had it so efficient like that, and then he took it to another level because he took it to a uh, real estate, and that's how it grew to be this right multi-billionaire billion-dollar company. But the the McDonald brothers, you're right, they systemically or systematically had ketchup, pickles. Onions, oh, it was systemic oh. too. It was systemic. <laughs> it, was, it was deep down into the culture yeah. of the and business. It and, it's still, and it still functions it's still right now. And, and other... that's why anybody can walk in there, no matter if they're a high school student 
Yep. And they can make those burgers exactly the same. And the other thing that they did too, and I don't know if you talked about this before, but for each task and each duty and responsibility, there was a book or there was a checklist on how to do the fries, how to do the uh, uh, new patient exam, how to do the insurance uh, telephones and verification so that it was written down so that if you hired somebody today or actually tomorrow and they were a good learn, it didn't make a difference if they had dental uh, experience or not. If they can read and follow instructions, they could be your top employee in the office because they've got a guidebook. And now I don't have to sit there and watch you go through the guidebook and make sure you're doing it. As long as you can read and read, I can spot test you, make sure you got the concept. I can leave you alone and you can go. And I can, now I can go. Now, now that task, guess what? It's off my, it's off my desk. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I'm going to have to have you, well, I'm going to have to have you back on the show. Or maybe you'll have me on your show because I believe you have a water cooler series coming up as well. Is that right? I think so. I, so. <laughs> I know that's in the making. I hope I didn't let the cat out the bag. But mm -mm. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the show because we're, we're getting into a lot of things that we both talk about. We, we try to teach. Uh, the checklist, I, I live by those. And we're going to get yeah. into those some more in some future episodes as well. But yeah, I'd love to have you back on, on the show to talk about this more. And we'll be co-hosting This Week in Dentistry. Um, two coming up, we'll be doing our series with that as well. But we just said how this correction helps the practice. It, it, it just does everything. It increases productivity, profitability, the morale, the patient experience. Um, all of that is uh, improved by really handling what's going on behind that clutter desk. And then throw everything on the desk away. Like just throw everything away. All the more... <laughs> A wise man once told me that. They said, throw everything on the desk away and what's important will be mailed to you again. Well, I'm going to throw some, I need to throw <laughs> some stuff away then right now. <laughs> what's important will be mailed to you again and your front office should be opening the mail. That's one task you can definitely delegate unless it's something that's private, which it will say, care of the doctor, they can be opening all that stuff for you. Throw it away, junk mail. Or if oh. you have a, you, if, or if you've designated a half a day for your administrative time, Absolutely. you know, you can do it in that period of time or what have you no. until you're ready, until you're ready for <laughs> somebody else to, to do it. Well, you need to do that anyway. You need to have an administrative time blocked out. That's just how you keep order. I told you it was going to be a treat to have Dr. Hayes on. He did not disappoint. He never does. <laughs> just a well of knowledge. So, so super happy to have you here. Um, if you have not, please um, just uh, offer feedback for the show. That's how we bring more information. So if you could, please give us feedback. It helps us to bring topics that we hope will help you to uh, give you a better practice life and a better quality of life, both professionally and personally. Um, and also, um, I'd like to, uh, uh, there again, solicit questions, have you to invite your friends to these um, uh, segments. If you have any questions for Dr. Hayes, at this time, you can ask him as well. Like I said, he's on the show, so you might as well utilize him. You can put your questions in the chat, or if you unmute yourselves, he can answer those questions too. 
And Dr. Hayes, while we're doing that, can you tell us how people can get in touch with you as well? Uh, best way to get in contact, there's two ways. Uh, you can send me an email. I just actually just changed my email address, but I'll give both of them. Uh, newdentistcoach at gmail.com. I don't know if you guys can see it up here, but newdentistcoach at gmail.com. And then the other email address that I check on a regular basis, probably about 10 times a day, is uh, Dr. Darwin at thenewdentistcoach.com. We're going to be launching a new website coming up, but that's the new email address, Dr. Darwin at newdentistcoach. I'm sorry, Dr. Darwin at thenewdentistcoach.com. Uh, also, uh, you can reach me uh, via YouTube. We have a very robust YouTube channel. Get a lot of in in inquiries from both U.S. and international dentists. Uh, God, Sweden, London, Brazil, Pakistan, Iraq, uh, Australia, Dominican Republic, Turks and Caicos. It's crazy. Um, so uh, you can also check me there at the YouTube channel, Dr. Darwin Speaks. Dr. Darwin Speaks. Excellent, excellent. So hopefully you all will contact him and check him out on his YouTube channel. He's, he puts up so many um, videos that are pertinent to what we do in the profession. So um, check him out on YouTube and some of the other social media um, uh, mediums. And also I'd like to invite you to uh, show up for our next uh, dental uh, practice water cooler, the Efficient Practice Dental Water Cooler which will be next month, which is June. Can you believe it? It's almost June already. So the next segment will be June the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Efficient Practice Dental Water Cooler is every third Wednesday of the month. The topic will be disorder. Ooh. Yeah. So you know there's a lot of good things coming in there. We keep the topic simple, but there's always some good things and some twists that will be added in there as well. So again, that's June the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Please add feedback. And before I go, I must thank Equa Marketing for uh, once again, how uh, they are the leaders in digital marketing for giving me this platform so that we can bring this information to you. Um, like I said, these are like coaching sessions for me. So if you, you could have your friends join on and they're able to um, get a free coaching session once a month and add their input. So thank you so much for joining. We will see you next time. And until then, take care and so long.